You're listening to Dancing Around Elephants, a podcast that talks to dancers about the elephant in the room, dance injuries. I'm Dr. Danelle Dixon, a dancer turned physical therapist, and I currently work with dancers to work past their challenges and access the next level in their dance careers. I'm sitting down to talk with dancers about their journey, their injuries, and how they are successfully navigated past the elephant in the room. But I'm going a bit further. I want to talk about all the elephants in the dance room and shed some light on the things that affect many dancers that we seldom talk about. My goal is to change the way that we approach injuries and issues in the dance community, and it all starts with a conversation. Let's get started. Hey guys, we are back with part two of my talk with Shavara Montiero. I'm so excited to listen to even more of the fire that this guy is dropping. This artist is amazing and has so much to say with such insight and knowledge. Please, please tell a friend about this and tell me what you think about this part two. Let's dive right into it. Okay, so we're going to breathe through this because we have some more juicy stuff to talk about. Was there a worst moment as a dancer in relation to your injury that you experienced in terms of mindset and how, how did you get through it? So we talked about, you know, your first encounter with an injury tell us about, you know, emotionally your worst moment as a dancer in relation to the injury and how did you get through oh, it? Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is kind of recent. This is not too long after I met you, I believe. This was... Oh. Okay. December 2019. Okay. So this was during another five-week run at New York City Center, mm-hmm. our, one of our home winter seasons with Ailey. And City Center is usually where Ailey presents the most repertory throughout their year. Things that you might not see on tour, you would see in New York. Mm-hmm. Special programs that don't exist anywhere but that theater. And so that also means that We're constantly rehearsing. We're constantly chasing our feet, catching up to information, you know, learning things at the last minute, rehearsing things at the last minute. And I was getting ready to, I was in the second cast of Camille Brown's City of Rain, Mm -hmm. which I loved. I was also given the beautiful opportunity to dance the weed in the water couple for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I was also cast to do the lead in Judith Jamison's Divining. Like all of these really important performances were coming up, but it was the fourth week of the season. Aye, aye, aye. Mm-hmm. So we're already like 20 something performances in. We still have 10, 12 left <laughs> before the season's over. Body is on E, you know, mm-hmm. like the gas tank is on empty, but I'm still, we're still pushing it. Yep. We still have lots of, special programs. We have Chaya's night coming up where we're celebrating his 40 something year run Mm -hmm. with the company. So all of these really important things are coming up. For some reason, we rehearse all of these new things that I'm in for the first time on the same day. Mm -hmm. My neck goes out and I can't perform four out of the five things that I was supposed to perform. Your neck of all things, your neck. My neck of all things. Couldn't put my head down, couldn't turn to the left, could barely go into extension. Like everything was, Whoa. Every, and I was like, why? 
<laughs> Why now? <laughs> I made it this far. Uh, and and emotionally, I was so hard on myself. And this time they had nothing to do with being worried about other people doing my work. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I had the perspective of being mad at the rhythm and the powers that be and why things have to be a certain type of way and being mad at things that aren't in my control, you know? And, you know, not, and not, instead of just being present and saying, okay, again, this is a moment where your body is trying to speak up for you. Yeah. Your body is trying to tell you that you're pushing too hard, even if it's not your choice, even if you're not in control of the casting, you're not in control of how they choose to schedule rehearsals before, even though you're not in control of any of these things, you're pushing too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I like that. Sit down. Sit down. down. Mm -hmm. And so even though I was bummed and super, super upset, it was also the first time Mm -hmm. that I wasn't heartbroken to go home. Yeah. When the curtain came up instead of, you know, before I would pressure myself, at least go sit in the audience, at least, you know, be someone's moral support, at least be in the wing, at least, at least, at least. And it's like, no, at least go home. Yeah. <laughs> at least go home. They're grip. Yes. A night off might feel like punishment to a super hard worker, but it's also a blessing. So take this rest. Yes. That you've been forfeiting. Yes and go about your business. Um, And so that was kind of the first time that I um, was listening to not only my physical body, but my emotional body, which then helped me. And that happened on like a Friday or my neck went out after the Friday night performance. Mm -hmm. So I was out Saturday, two shows on Saturday and two performances on Sunday. And I came back and I was good enough to be worked back in slowly on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. or by the Tuesday performance and none of the th- and none of the hard performances came up until that Thursday or Friday and of course I was signing up for physical therapy as much as I could mm-hmm. but yeah it was the first time that I didn't think twice when something came up and I just took the rest and mm-hmm. also took advantage of the resources instead of trying to do it all by myself right right so looking back at that experience, how would you change, change it for the better? How, what would have made that experience better for you? Mm. I think for that specific experience, mm-hmm. I even, so I would have taken the pressure off of myself mm-hmm. in rehearsal, even though like, again, I cannot take responsibility for things I'm not in control of. Right. It is not my issue that the powers that be waited until that day to rehearse all of these things for the first time. Mm. So Shalvar, you know you have three ballets to do tonight. So we're gonna treat these rehearsals as if we have three ballets to do tonight. So I'm not gonna push to do all of these parts full out for the first time just because they wanna see it. Yeah, yeah. You just have to trust that I know it at this point. I mean, Uh. and, and. again, to hard workers and to people who are new to a repertory company that are of high acclaim, it's like, that sounds crazy. They, you know, like they're pressing play on the music. There's an expectancy to show something. Right. To prove something. Yes, yes. 
if not to them, to yourselves or the people in the room or whatever the conversation is. Mm -hmm. And I think I was trying to prove to myself that not only did I know the steps, but I could do them with finesse, Mm. that I could tell a story even with zero rehearsals. And yeah, that was true. But you know what else is true? You can't move your neck. So now what? (laughs) 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 So now you can't debut any of those roles. Okay. So now, so now how do you feel? Crazy. So I would have taken the pressure off myself and said, I know what I know. I also have a performance to do tonight. Yeah. That I also know. And so I'm going to just be gentle. If there are any really crazy lifts that I need to work out with the partner, Mm -hmm. we'll do it at a later date. But tonight it's about conservation and making sure that I have all my faculties in place. Yeah. For when we have people in the audience that have paid yes. to be moved. Yes. So that's how I would have changed the day. So Shabar, I feel like you should give a master class in advocacy because oh. all, all that I've been hearing, and we haven't even gotten through half of the questions, you know, like all that I've been hearing is just a masterful communicator. Um, and that communication of this nature necessitates two things. It, it, you need to be a master of understanding your body mm-hmm. um, and what you need from a physical, emotional, mental standpoint, but also you need to be a master at your craft and yeah. what is necessary, what is timing, what, what things are important, what things take precedence right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, is, it is really amazing to hear you analyzes these situations so concisely, you know, because again, many, many dancers are dancers, they're technicians, and most of them, they're beautiful movers, beautiful performers, um, amazing hearts and souls that pour lots of hard work and time and energy and effort into stuff. But in my mind, in my humble opinion, you know, the artists are the ones that really start changing the game because they they bring an intellectual conciseness to the work that allows the audience and the experience to be completely different Mm -hmm. and right now you are changing the experience of every dancer who's listening to you because Mm -hmm. now they have now you've given them and equipped them with the tools to process the environment from such a different standpoint that they that we don't teach we don't talk about you know, intellectually, what can you put out there today that's going to make you the best dancer for your audience? Because that's the goal. We perform for the audience. And mm-hmm. sometimes the person to make that call is not your choreographer. It's going right. to be you. Right. You know? And dancers a lot of times don't want, they don't want to take that responsibility because they're afraid. They'd be like, well, what if I'm wrong? You know, and they're so used to having decisions made for them. So this is such a masterclass in advocacy. So for the guys that are listening, I hope you're taking notes. I hope you got your pen and your paper or your iPad or whatever you got. Like, listen, start. This this is a masterclass and advocacy. This is where it starts. It starts with understanding yourself, understanding your body and being a masterful communicator to yourself, mm-hmm. understanding what you're feeling and what you need in that moment and being able to communicate that with your dance team, with your choreographers. But I must say, thank you, first of all. <laughs> But I also have to say that I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I welcome 
and don't run away from hard work or being uncomfortable with mm-hmm. a task. And mm-hmm. I don't want to jump ahead in the conversation too much, but like being teaching ballet at NYU this past year, one uh-huh. of the biggest things that I try to impart was I can only be responsible for my half of this relationship. I provide the information. Right. Mm-hmm. You can only be ex- as successful as you work. So if you don't work hard, if you don't understand what the integrity of a standing leg can really feel like, and also understanding that you're not always going to be in the perfect circumstance, you're never going to be in the perfect body, you're going to continue to age, you know, if you're blessed with a long life and a long career, your body's going to continue to change, your emotional body is going to continue to fluctuate all of nothing is going to be perfect but hard work still needs to be at the forefront so if you never really take the time to really solidify what your foundation and your home base looks like you're never really gonna be able to understand what freedom can feel like Yeah. So go to an audition and you're like, okay, today I'm going to try to have good technique. Today I'm going to go for more than two pirouettes. Today I'm going to try and point my feet in the air. It's like, well, you're doing all this for the first time. So you think you're going to get a job now? (laughs) Like you're going to land a job and you're working hard for the first time today at the audition? Mm -mm. That's crazy. So I feel like I only know how to advocate for myself as much because I know that because I know what I have to offer, mm-hmm. because I didn't shy away from anything that was presented to me, whether it was in a balletic sense, whether it was modern, contemporary, choreographing something, directing something, whatever task was given to me, I lean into what makes it uncomfortable so that I can have a full range of skills to pull from whenever it's ready. But I also credit that to my Jamaican mother who was like, if you're gonna do it, you gotta do it. Listen, no, ha- no halfway stuff. No halfway stuff. <laughs> if you're gonna do it, you gotta do it. You're not doing that. Mm-mm. No halfway <laughs> stuff. No halfway nope. stuff. This, this, this is good. This is really, really good. I love this. So yes, we're gonna jump ahead. This was, this was an amazing little bit of a wrap up and stuff, but let's, let's dive into a different direction of, of stuff that, that makes up who you are as an artist. Tell us about this. And your dancing and teaching is an issue that has caught your attention since the pandemic regarding the dance community. Mm. Huh. Okay, so I feel that returning to dance in the fall mm-hmm. has been very, very interesting. It's It's like we all return to dance and understand it to be our outlet, our escape, this Mm -hmm. and this and this. But there also seems to be, it seems, a lack of intention. Okay. It's almost almost as if we exhausted what we think our our imagination has to offer us to Mm -hmm. keep us busy and, you know, to keep us from jumping out of a window throughout (laughs) this pandemic. And so when we return to dance, it's almost like at least with what I've been, with the group of students that I've been uh, blessed to teach and also the practices that I've been able, been able to re-enter into with Ailey, it's almost like 
there, there's not as much imagination. It's almost like, again, we don't know what it is to look forward to something. So we're staying present, but then sometimes being present lends us, lends, you know, lends itself to being bored if it's not instantly gratifying. Mm-hmm. It's not in your wheelhouse. All of a sudden it's kind of like, there's nothing for me to do here. So I'm not going to do it. Mm. And so I feel like, you know, intention seems to be missing or even in terms of like how we, how we distribute opportunity. It seems just like, let's just repeat what we know because we know this thing instead of challenging the systems that have been in place and seeing how we can enhance or enrich the things that we understand or understood to work. How can we repurpose these things? How can we challenge what we understand the norm to be and really have a more fleshed out way of doing things? How can we make communication better? How can we make sure that people feel more supportive? How can we, as dancers, what can I work on? What can I show up in? What is something that I've never been able to do? What's a side of myself I've never been able to show before that I feel is even more enhanced through this pandemic that I feel a lot less timid about sharing with people, whether it's through film or ultimately whenever we get to return to the stage, how can I advocate for myself? How can I say, I wanna do these types of roles. I feel like you see me in this way and I wanna go this way. Yeah. And so I feel like, it's hard for us to look towards the future. Um, and so it sometimes gets us stuck and we find ourselves doubling down on yep. the very things that we found ourselves hating when, yeah. before the world shut down. Yeah, so let me challenge you here a little bit. Now, do you think that this is, this is something that we're stuck at or are we, are we just having a true human moment in the dance world. You know, we've not been through a pandemic before. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of dancers in this time have struggled with mental health. Mm -hmm. It it has done a lot of numbers. I think on a lot of people, but the dance world, it's it's done a really specific and unique number on playing on the fears. And Lord knows there's a lot of fears in the dance world. There's even more now. You Mm -hmm. know, what ifs, the what ifs, the questions, the what will maybe and what happened and all of this stuff is so much more now. So are we just really having a natural reaction to being holed up at home for a year? <laughs> Absolutely. I don't think I don't think any of that is like any of what I just said. I don't think that's our fault necessarily. I think we're all just handling as best we know how. Yeah. And sometimes, like you said, the fear of, I feel like it takes very brave and bombastic folks to continue to reach into the unknown and create something that hasn't existed before. Right. right. Especially, especially when it seems like uncertainty is the only thing we understand. Right. And so I think, yeah, I definitely think that we're having a human moment. And I think if anything, I think the best thing about all of this is that there's more conversation happening across the board. Oh. I think that, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think we're slowing down to my favorite thing to say, I feel like we're actually listening to understand instead of listening to respond. 
Oy, listen. I think say that we're again, say it again, say it again, say it again. <laughs> I think we're in a space where we're listening to understand rather than listening to respond to someone. I think that we're really, really starting to understand what comprehension can look like. I think we're just starting to understand what support can feel like mm-hmm. or look like. Mm-hmm. how we can show up in those things and how we can redirect those conversations if we're not the resource that's best suitable for that conversation. Yeah, love it, love it, love it. In terms of looking at, you feel like we're a little bit stuck, what barriers to success do we have to address this? How can we get unstuck? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think. I think one thing, and this is a personal thing, but I think... Mm-hmm applies across the board we okay so while we are encouraged to understand that we are everything that we need and we have everything that we need to be successful there's also nothing wrong to reaching across the aisle and seeing how things work in someone else's universe and picking and choosing parts of that experience that help build a more a wider perspective for yourself, whether that's artistic staff, a performing artist, or even again at NYU, I would say, ask your friends at Juilliard, what is the the curriculum like over there? What's the information that is being shared with them from their professors? And how can you use it in the studio every chance that you get to touch the bar or every time you get to have your own solo practice with improvisation or choreography? Find out what conversations are being had with your peers and see how that can benefit everything that you see as your world. Yeah. Nothing wrong with asking for help. Yeah. I mean, dance is about exploration, right? If if it isn't anything, it's all exploration. Like Mm -hmm. how, what are my limits today? What are my limits next week, next month, next year? It's about expanding the mind, expanding the body to meet where the mind has already been. That's really what it is. You yeah. know, so I, I love, I love that. So if you had an opportunity, what would be your focus when addressing this issue? Like, where would you start in terms of healing this stuckness that we have? Mm-hmm. I think I would start, well, I've always loved improvisation. Mm-hmm. I'm an avid, like if there's ever a moment where the studio or a stage is not being used and I can plug in my little iPhone and wiggle around a little bit. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, and so that's my favorite thing to do, like in terms of solo practice, just like trying to step away from what I understand my job to be and mm-hmm. figuring out ways that I haven't moved, what are sensations in the body that feel foreign or even familiar if, there, if I need to come back home mm-hmm. and do something that feels like myself and not somebody else, trying to tap into what that vocabulary looks like, what type of exploration can I have by myself? Yeah. Uh, sometimes, I mean, and during this pandemic, we've been blessed with so many virtual concerts. And even though it doesn't hit the same as being in the, stu- in the, in the, st- in the theater, and the buzz, the electricity of the audience and waiting for the curtain to go up and the house lights to dim, it's not the same. But there's been so many contributions yeah. to the virt- to the digital space and mm-hmm. being able to see what folks in 
Dutch National Ballet, to Netherlands Dance Theater, to the Royal Opera House, to ALE, to Body Traffic, to you name it, people yeah. are sharing these digital concerts and you can see the, the values of different cultures. Yeah different dance cultures, if you choose to pay attention, if you choose to pay for a ticket yeah. and tune into what people are doing. So I think it's just as valuable as it was when before everything shut down, it's just as valuable to see what other people are doing to step outside of yourself and to become immersed in the vocabulary of someone else and see how you can fill in the blanks in your own practice. Yeah. So as you're talking, Shabar, I'm getting this, this vivid picture in my mind. I, I sometimes wish I could like put like a little light here and like just beam out what I see so people can see <laughs> my brain sometimes. But I'm literally seeing this person that's constantly poking at the barriers and the walls that he's in. He's like, is this a real wall? This isn't a real wall. I'm going to step over this. Let me just see what's over here and then I'll bring it back in. Like you're constantly testing things. You're constantly experiencing and questioning your environment and really being introspective about your experiences. Mm-hmm. Is it true? Is it real? Is it valid? Do I want it differently? Do I want, I, do I want to grow from this? Do I want to pursue this? Do I want to go a different way? I, I love how interactive with your experiences you are and how questioning you are. Because it's so easy to go through dance and just be passive. And yes. Just do what, well, my, my teacher said to do this. So, you know, my choreographer said I should do this or I'm do this. But you know, the joy is really, the freedom is really in, in being freeing in yourself here and making this be your exploration, your journey, and mm-hmm. really seeing what you can actually contribute when you've digested this information and now you've presented it to the world. So I, I'm loving this conversation. Well, thank you. I want to go back a little bit. You mentioned that you teach at NYU. Tell the audience a little bit about that. Oh, so back right before my birthday in September, the director in September the fourth oh I'm the fifth yes Virgo nation yeah so right so towards the end of August Sean Curran the director of dance at NYU Tisch School of the Arts uh, I was put or uh, I was he reached out to me and was like hey we wanted, I've been curious about you and your teaching practices. You know, your schedule with Ailey doesn't usually permit, but I'm assuming and hoping that you are available with this pandemic. And I was like, yes, sign me up. When can I teach? Mm-hmm. The plot twist, I did not know that they were interested in me teaching ballet. <laughs> I love ballet. I, yeah. love the, I, lo- I love to hone that technique specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I feel like I heard it in an interview today, it's kind of like math and science of the body. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really exciting mm-hmm. how yeah. you can simplify or make it super, super advanced and difficult depending on where your body is. But yeah, so I was brought on as an adjunct professor in the fall. Mm-hmm. And then they invited me back for the spring semester. And it's been really, really nice to for the first time my most of my teaching experience is with teaching master classes and just showing up for an hour or two and then disappearing and you know maybe show seeing those students again if and when whatever company I'm working with comes back to that city 
-hmm. but it was really nice to start relationships with these students and really figure out how to be a resource to them. It was also very exciting to see that the way I think about energy and anatomy and what I understand about anatomy, (laughs) it was really exciting to see that my suggestions worked on other bodies and that I kind of knew what I was talking about a little bit. (laughs) It was nice. And then also, I don't know this for a fact, but I also think it's safe to say that I'm one of the first and few Black people to teach ballet at that institution. So come, let me go back. Let me go back a little bit. You see my accent came out. I got excited. Um, (laughs) So... At the beginning of this conversation, you talked about having that experience where you were cast Mm -hmm. um, in a ballet. And instead of them having a conversation with you about, let's figure out, you know, some styles for you here, you just got whisked away. That that opportunity was taken away from you. Yes, it was. Go back to that moment and, and, and understanding how you felt in that moment. And now fast forward to today where you are instructing students. What experience from that do you want to bring into this into this um, situation now mm. that can really help the students that you are instructing, regardless of their race? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, honestly, <clears throat> what I would take from then to now mm-hmm. is you really can't be worried about the insecurities and the projections of people who are so loyal to their own biases, that they make no room for evolution. There's no room for imagination. There's no room for making people feel like they have agency Mm -hmm. in their careers. Um, I just feel like if, if there's anything I try to be now as a professor is somebody that empowers their students and lets them know like, again, I think you're great. You have everything you need to be successful, but your success is your responsibility, not mine. Mm. So there's nothing that I'm going to do. I'm not going to put any unnecessary hurdles in front of you, but I'm also not going to let you think that anything less than great is welcome in this room. <laughs> so, yes. so like, you know, yeah, you need to do, figure it out, you know, I, res- I, I respect if like, if you need to take it easy because of an injury, do what you need to do, but you also need to make sure that you know the difference between, oh, I'm sore or I'm actually injured. Yeah. But that also means that you have to know what hard work feels like on a bad day and a good day mm-hmm. to be able to make that call. Yeah. And so again, I'm not gonna put any unnecessary hurdles in front of you. I'm not going to come for you based on what you look like. I'm not going to come for you based on anything that is a personal issue of mine. Mm -hmm. Because the same way I, the same way that uh, you are expected to not bring your mess, whatever Mm -hmm. that is, emotionally in the studio with you, I'm not going to do the same thing either. I'm going to hold us all to the same regard, to the same esteem. And I just want you to be great. <clears throat> yeah. So, unlike my professor that 
And I don't even know if at that time, because again, in 2007, eight, mm-hmm. when this happened, natural hair, that conversation about natural hair was not what it is today. Yeah. In 2021. Yeah. I mean, another tangent, but like, even with Ailey, mm-hmm. I auditioned with hair and it wasn't until I cut all my hair off and had a Caesar that I started to make it to the end of auditions and be taken seriously as somebody that could be in the company. Mm. So it even, you know, it even worked against me in a black space, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's all about making sure, you know, as a person that occupies even the smallest bit of power twice a week at NYU, making sure that they feel empowered and making sure that whatever they understand their identity to be on that day, that, they walk fully with their heads held high in that thing and that they understand what accountability feels like without needing to be pushed from the front of the room. Yeah. Although I am there to give you that push. Yeah, I love that. Do you still feel like hair, natural hair specifically, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a barrier for minority dancers? You know, I don't, I don't think it is. I don't, I mean, I don't think it is. I think since I started growing my hair out, there have been a number of men who have come in, who have come into the Ailey company, head full of hair, curly, beautiful hair. Um, Women are locking their hair. There are lots of different types of expressions, specifically at Ailey. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what that looks like in spaces that are predominantly white or Mm -hmm. places that where the hair is bone straight, mm-hmm. curly at best, you know? <laughs> I'm not sure what that conversation is um, worldwide, but I do think that the conversation about gender expression and identity and how we express ourselves through our hair, I think is less of a taboo item. Okay, so there's progress. Yeah, there is progress, yeah. There's movement forward, I mean, we, mm-hmm. we like that. Okay, let's um, go back. What topic in your view is the most pressing issue as it relates to the health and wellness of dancers? Mm. I feel Mm -hmm. as somebody who is an educator and a performing artist, I think what I garner from the feedback that I've gotten from the students I've taught and being a dancer, leadership. Okay. The topic. Tell me more about that. I think a lot of the times we have people in leadership that talk a good game and say what they're about Mm -hmm. on the first day of work at orientation, what have you. Mm -hmm. And then when things get dicey and you try to exhaust those resources, crickets, all (laughs) of a sudden, Houdini, nobody's there. (laughs) <laughs> Lord Jesus. you know like results nowhere to be found mm-hmm. or or you have people that are present but aren't saying the right things haven't taken stock of who it is they're talking to and how they need to be spoken to and catering to those needs well mm. so mm-hmm. it's like I feel like that I feel in terms of health and wellness I feel like right now we're in a place where leadership kind of forgot that they, 
while your check might be greater, you are your biggest role is to be of service to your dance. It's not just about calling the shots. It's not just about making decisions, but it's also being a resource to your dancers, yes. to your students. And I think that's the biggest part of the conversation or the biggest part of the job description that people are forgetting when they occupy these spaces of leadership. Yeah, well, I will, I will venture to add to the to Shavar that I think that um, this is not just a dance thing, man. This is a worldwide thing. Well, like leadership, leadership is in crisis. And yeah. I mean, we can blame it on a pandemic, but we, ex- and, and maybe we are putting too much of a Herculean task on leaders, but our expectations are that you actually lead in times of crisis, which yes. means you need to understand conflict resolution. Yes. Which means you need to understand how to speak to different people at different times, which means you need to have different tools in order to make sure that something gets from point A to point B in the manner that it needs to and present those solutions in the right way, in the right manner. It's a skill that is practiced. And it's always stunning to me when I see leaders who are not able to do conflict resolution. How did you get here? How (laughs) did you get here? These are the questions. These are the questions. What what happened? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when you I, I feel like we have so happened? many leaders. So many leaders are scared of confrontation. And my favorite, yeah. my favorite Instagram Instagram quote uh-huh. is: "Even if your voice shakes, you have to speak your truth anyway." You're damn right. Oops, Even right. if your voice shakes, you have to say what needs to be said. Yes, it has. Why, to be said. It's not about being scared. You still got to do the right thing. Yeah. That doesn't mean you have to like, it doesn't have to be an episode of Basketball Wives where all of a sudden we're throwing drinks on each other. That's not the answer. It doesn't have to be a team. It doesn't have to be really ridiculous, but we need you to say what needs to be said. One of the one things that leaders are known for is their voice and the inability to use that in a time of crisis. Mm -hmm. I think it's inexcusable. Anyway, I could talk about it all day, every day. Yeah. What are your thoughts on addressing this? How do we change this in the dance world? How, how do we change this? <laughs> I'm giving you all the hard questions. Honestly, but see, I feel like, oh, I feel like right now, I feel like I'm the squeaky wheel. I feel crazy because I feel like I'm a squeaky wheel that is making a lot of noise and is not satisfied. And I'm like, I never want to sound ungrateful. I never want to be this super, I don't, I don't want to be the complainer. Yes. I don't want to be that person that always has something to say. Okay. But sometimes you always got something to say because he said, I'm just saying. Yeah. So I feel like right now is, I feel like I'm in a place where you just have to like speak truth to power. Like none of this does not make sense. You did not hear me when I said X, Mm -hmm. Y, Z. Yeah. When I said X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. I need you to show up for me in this way. Or what about our last conversation was not clear, mm-hmm. you know? And being okay with taking a little bit more of an aggressive stance mm-hmm. and not being too consumed with tropes, not being too, ex- you know, not being too worried about mm-hmm. looking like the angry black, whatever. Yeah. And just saying what's on your heart. Yeah. And again, leading with the heart and trusting that 
that's what's heard. And then watching how they move in response to you and then assessing if that's where you need to remain. Yeah, yeah. And I feel very strongly about the angry black woman slash man, you know, like that yeah. phrase, is, yeah. it's, it's such a powerful phrase for minorities. Yes. To stop you up and to stop you from talking. Yeah. And the reason why they feel that they need to do that is because they recognize that you have something of value to say. Mm-hmm. and something that is powerful and they want to take that power away from you so I, I I mean yes I can definitely identify with not wanting to be the squeaky wheel um but sometimes you just gotta say what you have to say it just needs to happen so in terms of moving forward in that do you feel like the pandemic has affected the way that we address health and wellness in the dance community yes I feel like I feel like there is a push to provide more resources right now. Good. At least, at least where I am, I can't speak for lots of other institutions mm-hmm. um, or organizations, but I definitely feel like there is a lot more talk about what resources look like, mm-hmm. where you can find them. Yeah. And like therapy is a lot more of a water cooler topic these days it feels like everybody around me has a therapist which I love (laughs) it feels like everybody's talking about their diet and the things they put in their body and even more than before I feel like Ailey was one of the first places where I was like oh not only is everyone beautiful and intelligent but everybody cares about what they put into their body and everybody cares about this and this and this but now we also care about you know the health of their brain Mm -hmm. and their emotional self and their inner child and all of these beautiful things. And so I feel like there are more resources. I feel like we're also more open. Like if people, if somebody said I'm having a bad day, there's even more of a cushion for that person to exist. Yeah. And I think that's so crucial. So, so so crucial right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Hey guys, we just wrapped up part two of this interview with Siobhan Montiero of the Alvanili American Dance Theater. Please stay tuned for part three. We have so much more to discuss. I know you think that we haven't covered everything, but there's so many more things that we need to discuss that's going on in the dance world. And I want you to make sure that you stay tuned and you hear his thoughts. So join me next time. Thank you for listening to Dancing Around Elephants. I would love if you can share this podcast and leave a review. People that leave reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other platforms that take just 60 to 90 seconds to show some love and give context to others about why this conversation is important means the world. Thank you in advance. I appreciate you. Do you want resources to start becoming the best dancer that you can be? Click on the link and access Dr. D's Dance Toolbox. So many amazing tools, including my signature program, Dance Bridge Online, to get you bulletproof from dance injuries. Also, if you know of a dancer that you'd like me to interview for this podcast, shoot me a message at info at 3ptdc.com and share your thoughts. Catch you next time.